Chapter 4 of Legends of Saints and Sinners. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Geoffrey DeSena. Legends of Saints and Sinners by Douglas Hyde. Chapter 4. Knock Mulrana. Preface. This story was told by my friend, Mr. Peter McGinley, who printed it in 1897 in the Gaelic Journal of that year. He told me that though the story came from the Irish-speaking part of the country, it was in English it was first repeated to him when he was a young boy, and he retold it in Irish, without any change in the story itself. He says that he feels sure it is just as he heard it. The story comes from Glen Domain, which is near Garton in Donegal, celebrated as the birthplace of Comsilly, and Knoch Builrenya is near at hand, and the lake is a little below it. The proverb, as I have burned the candle, I'll burn the inch, does not, he says, always signify impenitence, but means rather to hold out in any course, good or evil, until the last. The name Vuirenya, which I have shortened into Mulrona, is variously anglicised Mulroni and Moroni. This story may remind the reader a little of Lewis's Monk. The Story on this side of Glendomain, there is a little hill whose name is Mulroney's Hill, and this is the reason why it was given that name. In old times there was a man living at a little house on the side of the hill, and Mulrona was his name. He was a pious holy man, and hated the world's vanity so much that he became a hermit, and he was always alone in that house, without anyone in his neighbourhood. He used to be always praying and subduing himself. He used to drink nothing but water, and used to eat nothing but berries and the wild roots which he used to get in the mountains and throughout the glens. His fame and reputation were going through the country for the holy earnest life that he was living. However, great jealousy seized the adversary at the piety of this man, and he sent many evil spirits to put temptations on him. But on account of all his prayers and piety it failed those evil spirits to get the victory over him so that they all returned back to hell with the report of the steadfastness and loyalty of Morana in the service of God. Then great anger seized Satan, so that he sent further demons, each more powerful than the other, to put temptation on Mulrana. Not one of them succeeded in even coming near the hut of the holy man, nor did it fare any better with them whenever he came outside for he used always to be attentive to his prayers and ever musing on holy things. Then every evil spirit of them used to go back to hell and used to tell the devil that there was no use in contending with Mulrana, for that God himself and his angels were keeping him and giving him help. That account made Satan mad entirely, so that he determined at last to go himself, hoping to destroy Mulrana and to draw him out of the proper path. Accordingly, he came one evening at a nightfall, in the guise of a young woman, and asked the good man for lodging. Mulrana rudely refused the pretended woman, and banished her away from his door, although he felt a compassion for her because the night was wet and stormy, and he thought that the girl was without house and shelter from the rain and cold. But what the woman did was to go round to the back of the house and play music, and it was the sweetest and most melancholy music that man ever heard. Because Mulrana had had a pity for the poor girl at the first, he listened now to her music, and took great delight in it, and had much joy of it, but he did not allow her into his hut. At the hour of midnight the devil went back to hell, but he had a shrewd notion that he had won the game, and that he had caught the holy man. Mulrana had quiet during the remainder of the night, but instead of continuing at his prayers, as was his custom, he spent the end of the night, almost till dawn of day, thinking of the beauty of the girl and the sweetness of her music. 
The day after, that the devil came at the fall of night in the same likeness, and again asked lodging of Mulrana. Mulrana refused that, although he did not like to do it, but he remembered the vow he had made never to let a woman or a girl into his hut. The pretended woman went round to the back of the house, and she was playing music that was like fairy music until it was twelve o'clock, when she had to go away with herself to hell. The man inside was listening to the playing and taking great delight in it, and when she ceased there came over him melancholy and trouble of mind. He never slept a wink that night, and he never said a word of his prayers either, but eagerly thinking of the young woman, and his heart going astray with the beauty of her form and the sweetness of her voice. On the morning of the next day, Mulrana rose from his bed, and it is likely that it was the whisper of an angel he heard, because he remembered that it was not right for him to pay such heed to a girl, and to forget his prayers. He bowed his knees and began to pray strongly and earnestly. He made a firm resolve that he would not think more about the girl, and that he would not listen to her music. But, after all, he did not succeed in obtaining a complete victory over his thoughts concerning the young woman, and consequently he was between two notions until the evening came. When the night was well dark and the adversary came again in the shape of the girl, and she even more beautiful and more lovely than she was before, and asked the man for a night's lodging, he remembered his vow and the resolve he had made that day in the morning, and he refused her, and threatened her that she should not come again to trouble him, and he drove her away with rough sharp words, and with a stern churlish countenance, as though there were a great anger on him. He went into his hut, and the girl remained near the hut outside, and she weeping and lamenting and shedding tears. When Mulrana saw the girl weeping and keening piteously, he conceived a great pity for her, and compassion for her, and came to him, and desire, and he did not free his heart from those evil inclinations, since he had not made his prayers on that day with a heart as pure as had been his wont. And he listened willingly and gladly. It was not until he came out himself, in spite of his vow and his good resolutions, and invited the pretended woman to come into his hut. Small delay she made in going in. It was then that the King of Grace took pity at this man, lost without giving him time to amend himself, since he had ever been truly pious, diligent, humane, well disposed, and of good works, until this great temptation came over him. For that reason, God sent an angel to him with a message to ask him to repent. The angel came to Mulrana's house and went inside. Then the devil leapt to his feet, uttered a fearful screech, changed his colour, his shape and his appearance. His own devilish form and demoniac appearance came upon him. He turned away from the angel like a person blinded with a great shining or blaze of light, and went out of the hut. His senses nearly departed from Mulrana with a terror that overcame him. When he came to himself again, the angel made clear to him how great was the sin to which he had given way, and how God had sent him to him to ask him to repent. But Mulrana never believed a word he said. He knew that it was the devil who had been in his company, in the guise of the young woman. He remembered the sin to which he had consented, so that he considered himself to be so guilty that it would be impossible for him ever to obtain forgiveness from God. He thought that it was deceiving him the angel was, when he spoke of repentance and forgiveness. The angel was patient with him, and spoke gently. He told him of the love and friendship of God, and how he would never refuse forgiveness to the truly penitent, no matter how heavy his share of sins. Mulrana did not listen to him, but a drowning man's cry issued out of his mouth always, that he was lost, and he ever cursing God, the devil and himself. The angel never ceased, but entreating and beseeching him to turn to God and make repentance. But it was no use for him. Mulrana was as hard and as stubborn as he was before, all the time taking great oaths and blaspheming God. All the time the angel was speaking, 
He had the appearance of a burning candle in his hand. At long last, when the candle was burnt all but an inch, a gloom fell over the countenance of the angel, and he stood out for Morana, and threatened him, and told him that his term of grace was almost expired. And, said he, unless you make repentance before this inch of candle is burnt away, God will grant you no more respite, and you will be damned forever. Then there came silence on Morana, for a while, as though he were about to follow the advice of the angel. But then, on the spot, he thought of the sin that he had done. On that, despair seized him, and the answer he gave the angel was, As I have burned the candle, I'll burn the inch. Then the angel spoke to him with a loud and terrible voice, announcing it to him that he was now indeed accursed of God, and said he, Thou shalt die to-morrow of thirst. Mulrana answered him with no submission, and said, O lying angel, I know now that you are deceiving me. It is impossible that I should die of thirst in this place, and so much water round about me. There is, outside there, a well of spring water that was never dry. There is a stream beside the gable of the house, which would turn the wheel of a great mill no matter how dry a summer day. And down there is Loch Beatty, on which a flight of ships might float. It is a great folly for you to say that anybody could die of thirst in this place. But the angel departed from him without an answer. Mulrano went to lie down after that, but if he did, he never slept a wink through the great trouble of spirit. Next morning, on his rising early, the sharpest thirst that man ever felt came upon him. He leapt out of his bed and went to the stope or pail for water, but there was not a drop in it. Out with him then to the well, but he did not find a drop there either. He turned on his foot towards the stream that was beside the house, but it was dry before him down to the gravel. The banks and the pebbles in the middle of it were as dry as though they had never seen a drop of water for a year. Mulrano remembered then the prophecy of the angel, and he started. A quaking of terror came upon him, and his thirst was growing every moment. He went running at full speed to Loch Beatty, but when he came to the brink of the lake, he uttered one awful cry and fell in a heap on the ground. Loch Beatty, too, was dry before him. That is how a cowherd found him next day, lying on the brink of the lake, his eyes starting out of his head, his tongue stretched out of his throat, and a lump of white froth around his mouth. His awful appearance was such that fear would not let the people go near him to bury him, and his body was left there until birds of prey and wild dogs took it away with them. That is how it happened, Mulrana, as a consequence of his sin, his impenitence, and his despair, and that is the reason why it is not right for any one to use the old saying, as I've burnt the candle, I'll burn the inch, and yonder is Knock Fuerinya, Mulrana's hell, as a witness to the truth of this story. End of chapter 4